listening to This Is Wellness, the podcast where wellness looks different for everyone. Burnout is a buzzword that's been making the rounds on social media again. And while most of the time we want to talk about your wellness in terms of preventing it, knowing how to spot burnout and come back from it are seldom discussed. Today, our hosts explore how to spot the warning signs for burnout and how to rebalance your life if you've gotten there. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to This Is Wellness. I'm one of your hosts, Sarah Polk. And with me is Celeste Nevadas. Hola, hola. So today we're talking about a topic that ha- we had a lot of people asking us about, and we kind of yeah. put it off. It was actually, we decided it was going to be one of the last ones that we did specifically because it was like, well, I don't I don't know, I don't feel comfortable talking about that. We do feel mm-hmm. comfortable talking about it, but it was kind of one of those of like, this can get really sticky really fast. Mm-hmm. And that topic is burnout. Burnout, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. And more specific than just burnout, um, because we have a lot of things where we talk about like preventing burnout. That's Mm -hmm. a pretty common conversation. It's really rare when you come across actually talking about like, how do you get back, like come back from that burnout level? Right. And that's what I really wanted to focus on today was a little bit about how to identify it. Yes, because that's important. But I feel like there's so many resources out there of how to identify it. But coming back from burnout is one of these weird, ambiguous things where it's like, okay, so I'm burnt out. Now what? Like, where do I go from here? Or and or I'm not burned out as somebody's eyes twitching and they're like, look at how fine I am. And you're like, this is exactly because I think if people feel like if it's burnout, back to your point, then how do I even come back from it? So I don't want to say I'm burned out because I don't know how to get back from that. So I'm fine as your eye twitches and your hair is falling out and you're like limping in a shoe that a heel you broke three weeks ago, but you keep wearing them because you don't have time to go buy new ones. Like, yeah, because burnout has that like fatality to Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And I think that is so scary where let's be honest, we've all kind of talked about it. The better and more appropriate label you can put on something is not the end all be all determining factor of how things are going, but it does give you a this is a good place to start. This is where we go from here. So if we look at some of our various resources that we have out there, because like I said, there's a lot of talk about burnout. We as professionals in the mental health field have had burnout be something we talk about. And a lot of people within the medical field, burnout has been something we've approached for decades. Mm -hmm. It's very fairly common to have incorporated into things. And then we kind of say like, make sure to practice self-care. And then for a long time, it's like, just make sure to practice (laughs) self-care. Go on your way. And everybody was like, wait, what? Like, that's what it was for my training. Yeah. Practice self-care to prevent your burnout. But how do I do that? Yeah. You might as well have said it in a language I don't understand. Exactly. Okay, cool. What does that look like? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And there's no guidance. Mm -mm. Now, most of the students, at least in social work that I've worked with, they have full like vocabulary and plans and things that help them with that. Yeah. And when we started this podcast, we talked about how we have that. Yeah. But do other professions. It's Mm -hmm. really tough to to tackle that. So even within the medical professionals or social work or counseling, the idea of burnout has been there for decades. Other professions are now starting to really recognize that really any work can cause a pretty serious feeling of burnout. And I think the last few years, especially with COVID-19, people are experiencing burnout in different ways. Very much so. Like I, we had talked about how we're therapists because we like talking to people and listening to people all day. And then all of a sudden we were sitting in front of a computer screen for eight hours straight. And it was like... I feel like my eyes are burning out of my skull. It was just a different kind of burnout. So I think recognizing that this is new and different for a lot of people. You might have felt like burnout before or you had a, an understanding of it, but it's really different. And so we invite you to the conversation as well mm-hmm. um, to understand that things have 
definitely changed over the last few years. Yeah. And it doesn't even have to be work related. There are now people looking at like, what does parenting burnout look Mm -hmm. like? What does that sibling burnout can, what can that look like? How is that a little bit different? Exactly. Caregiver, Mm -hmm. all of these different types of ways you can be burnt out in one domain of your life. And it can be really hard to come back from that. It can also feel really judgmental. Like, well, I'm burnt out as a parent. That can feel really bad to say. Right. And being able to look at this not as a, that's it. Well, you're done. Like, yeah. Absolutely not. You're Sorry. still a parent. Goodbye. It's okay. And we can come back from this. Exactly. It's mm-hmm. not an, It's not a death sentence for whatever career or role it is that you are playing in your life and feeling like that's no longer part of you anymore. Exactly. So if I ask you, mm. how do you define burnout? <laughs> not necessarily personally, but like sure. broader. So full disclosure, part of I know why I was nervous about this episode or this conversation is just because it, it does require some vulnerability. It does. Um, and I've been burnt out a few times in my career. I'd say two times for sure where I was like, this is it. I'm going back to school and I'm going to, I don't know, become an accountant, which I would be a terrible accountant. But I really was like, I don't know why I spent all this time and money in school. I'm not going to be able to do it. So for me, I think burnout has a lot to do with my identity Like if I feel like I'm not who I quote unquote think I should be, like I'm just not feeling myself in my own skin. I just feel like ugh, just this immense amount of fatigue and disconnect from everything I know, love and value. Okay. That's That's a pretty good indicator of it. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? I know for me, I have gone everywhere from flirting with burnout to full on tango dancing Mm -hmm. and being entirely in that at least twice. Yeah. And really that same kind of question of like, maybe I shouldn't have chosen this career. Maybe this isn't, you know, here I was thinking I'm going to be able to do this for the rest of my life. It's going to be beautiful. I'm going to love it. And oh my gosh, I don't even want to set foot in my office right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, to the point where I would sit in the parking lot, looking at my phone, watching the clock count down rather than walking into the building because Mm -hmm. it was just so in my face that this thing that I love, that I care about so much, didn't even want to face it. Yeah. There was actually a moment when I was with one of my colleagues and we were at a training and we kind of she we worked together at the time. And she said, you know, if we were at work coming back from lunch right now, we would be hoping that the elevator gets stuck. And I am claustrophobic. But yes, we would frequently have that conversation like, oh, man, wouldn't it be great if this elevator got stuck so that we wouldn't have to go back to work? And there were two other therapists in that elevator with us. And one of them turned and said, you need to quit your job. That is not healthy. You should not think that way. Yeah. And we just kind of looked at each other. It was like, oh, man, that's right. And we did. We actually both left within a few months after that. Sure. But it was just kind of one of those moments where it was this thing that I'm very passionate about. My care of my clients. I am dreading it. Yeah. Right now. Mm-hmm. For a variety of reasons. Right. We all have different things within our work of I dread the monthly financial things. Sure. But that's not necessarily the same as like, yeah. this entire core part of who I am. Mm -hmm. And people always say like, your work shouldn't be all that you are. And I fully appreciate that fully embrace that. But also, I think you should be able to identify with a part of it where it's not just completely separate, you should be able to enjoy yourself, even if it's or find purpose in it. Exactly. Even if it's that, you know, I've worked in customer service before, Mm -hmm. I have done waitressing and things like that. If I can just make that person's experience great, I could survive that. And it was fine. Yeah. This is kind of the thing where it doesn't matter how good of a job I do right now, I am not going to feel satisfied or happy from this. Mm hmm. And I think that's really what tells me that's the difference between burnout and just a general like, 
it's Monday and I don't want to go back to work. Yeah, I don't feel like going. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, on Monday morning, let's all be honest, it's really hard to get out of your bed. It's comfortable. It's it's warm. Yeah. Yeah. But so if we're looking at burnout as this kind of broad or broader conversation. Mm -hmm. So mindpath.com actually has a really good way to kind of assess your five basic signs of burnout. Mm. So and then I kind of have developed a what do we think we can do in order to combat those signs? Because those signs are going to be coming from different places, right? And the way to come back from that burnout is going to mean you have to start to target what is causing that, Mm -hmm. that symptom or that that root of the problem. So our five signs are that you're having anxiety, about what it is that you're kind of burnt out. So like additional out of the norm level of anxiety, anxiety about being able to perform, Mm. anxiety about that risk of failure, Mm -hmm. right? Because, and think about it, we should, we all have a certain level of anxiety of, oh man, I hope that my boss really likes this report that I put together. Right, Right. That's normal, that's healthy. This is looking at anxiety that's then negatively impacting your ability to function with it. So I'm so anxious about this presentation that I can't even start working on it. Hmm. and things of that nature. And mine for me is really existential when I'm at this place. It's like, Mm -hmm. I'm so anxious. I remember one time in my career saying something really dreadful and I don't believe it at all. But at the time I was just like, I don't know what the point is anyway. All children are going to be abused. Like it just feels like no matter who I serve and what I work with, yeah, it's heavy. That just like cut to my core of like, I I said that out loud. But we can stop it. I know. I said it out loud and I remember just being like, what's that doesn't feel like you right right Mm -hmm. and I can see that I mean very clearly now but at the time it was just like this anxiety and existential dread of never overcoming it like it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter what I do it's just gonna be and not even bad but like I mean that's catastrophic to have that theory or line of thinking not all children are going to be abused right I'm confident that now and we can intervene and there are things we can do to reduce that risk right and prevent and have conversations and reduce stigma you know seeking mental health rather than parents feeling frustrated or caregivers getting frustrated I just I remember saying that and sort of like your elevator moment when somebody was looked at me like do you really think that and I was like right now yes yeah like I definitely feel like whatever I do is not going to be good. Like this anxiety that all ch- like that's that's an unhealthy level of anxiety. Exactly, yeah. and that is going to be one of your biggest indicators. Like mm-hmm. you are flirting with, or maybe tangoing with mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that burnout. Yeah, and beyond that too, our other signs are like the big signs. Obviously, the sleep and fatigue. Mm-hmm. So even if you do get enough sleep still feeling exhausted throughout the day or feeling that like mental exhaustion tied or to it. emotional exhaustion i tell people exactly that. like i am emotionally exhausted i got eight hours of sleep but oh my goodness like physically i should be good to go but at yeah. the same time i am not firing in all cylinders i feel like i am not sleeping at all like if somebody says one more thing to me i'm just mm-hmm. woof, i'm gonna lose it there's not caffeine to address that yeah there's no caffeine to address that like emotional and mental fatigue and mm-hmm. tired mm-hmm It doesn't matter what you do. You're there. Mm -hmm. And then so beyond that, too, we've got our feeling like that lack of creativity or purpose and what it is that you're doing. I hate that. So it kind of comes back to like the what is the point that why are we here? Mm -hmm. Why am I? Why do I care about whether or not this person does well or what? You know what? We're not going to prevent it anyway. Mm -hmm. And really losing sight of that purpose or the feeling of like creativity for doing well in what it is that you're doing. Yeah. And just excitement about it. I mean, when you're excited about things, you are more creative. Like somebody brings up a problem in a meeting and you're the one going, I don't know if I agree with that. Let me think of a different way to do that. That can be creative. But if you're in the meeting going, good Lord, just stop. Like, that's not my problem. So I'm not going to try and bother. 
it doesn't matter. It's all going to be terrible anyway. Get it over with. You know, that sort of self-talk is what we mean by creative and purposeful. Yes. And being able to kind of tackle those problems or things that come up and having that energy Mm. and willingness to be able to approach that. So this is like actually hitting early home for me right now because I'm like thinking about it. I'm like, man, have I had those times where I'm sitting there like right now? Yeah. You know, that really isn't my team. That's not my problem. Yeah. Because I think we all do that of like, well, that's not really my problem. And we'll disconnect, which yeah. can be both healthy to have healthy boundaries. Sure. But also sometimes it's like, oh, but it's not my problem, but it's my opportunity. Exactly. Just See? That. We just learned that one the other day. The other two major ones kind of in my mind go together. It's emotional numbness. And having that cynical outlook. So I know for me, the emotional numbness of, wow, like this is something I normally would care about, but I just, but I kind of don't right now. Mm. And I'm going to step back from this because I don't have to. Yeah. I'm going to be okay being trapped in an elevator, which is one of my worst fears, by the way, I am extremely claustrophobic. So the thought of being trapped in an elevator is awful to me but somehow better than the situation you were in but you know in that moment i was like i will embrace this death it'll be fine because i was just so numb to it i was so numb to even my own fear Mm -hmm. right and that emotional numbness too of not necessarily being able to emotionally connect Mm. with what it is that you're doing the people around you and how those things are impacting you yeah i've been in that phase for sure that zombie mode almost you're like exactly yo man i'm just here to collect my paycheck like get me in get me out what do you need oh yeah can't help you with that sorry and like don't get me wrong we're not saying you should be wanting to work 80 hour work weeks and like putting yourself it but you should be wanting to do your job and doing a good job i think the difference is when you're just kind of like i am just here for a paycheck i'm going to do the absolute bare minimum not even just in terms of like the bare minimum tasks of my job i'm not even going to do those that well Mm -hmm. i don't care and that doesn't align with your your values your excitement Mm -hmm. your passion all that that's what we're talking about that disconnect yeah yeah I'm not saying you need to violate labor laws and work 60 hour weeks happily. Please don't do that. Please don't do that at all. Have those healthy boundaries. But then at the same time, it's being able to recognize and finding that purpose and that um, like vigor for it, so Mm -hmm. to speak. The cynical outlook is the other part of it that I think goes into that anxiety and Mm -hmm. tying it in. Mm -hmm. This is never going to get better. I have no impact on this. Mm -hmm. I am basically trapped in an elevator, but in a different way. Right. And those are going to be as in terms of like indicators of burnout within mental health, we have these very obvious things, but within other professions or within those other roles. So the idea of like parenting, your kids are going to outgrow the toddler phase. I promise you. And the teenager phase and the teenager phase. That's a totally different issue. In some ways it gets better and in some ways it gets worse. But at the same time, we all know that. But this cynical idea of like, it doesn't matter what I do. Yeah, that's a rough one. That's my early, I'll be honest, my early warning sign. Yeah. If I start sounding like that, like, what is a point? Ooh, I'll make a, a note for that. If oh, I ever hear yeah. you say that, I'll be like, sure. I'm going to talk to you on the side. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my early red flags. And I think what we're talking about and having this conversation even is not burnout being an on and off or off mm-hmm. switch, like you're either burnt out or you're not, but it's insidious, it's gradual. I and mean, the more you talk about it, and the more you learn about it, I think you can catch those. And as somebody, as we've just said, has come back from burnout now twice, I know that that's one of my early warning signs. And so it's not, we're not giving you this list of six warning signs to be freaked out or listening if you're listening in your car or whatever, going, oh my God, I have all six. That means I'm 
doomed, but really recognizing there might be one or two of them for you that you're like, oh, I do that sometimes. Yeah. And it is that kind of gradual because it sneaks up. And I think it's something, too, that is easier for us to notice in each other. Oh, for sure. I don't know the number of times where I have noticed that someone else's, you know, outlook or work is kind of slipping. Where I'm like, oh, okay, I know you really value being accurate in this. Or mm-hmm. Are you okay? Yeah. What's going on? And so even if it's not you necessarily that we're looking at in terms of like, am I burnt out? And the fact that it's not just like an all or nothing, I'm burnt out or I'm not. You can be approaching it. You can be coming up on that finish line and you can avert it and course correct at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. But really only if you know those signs and only if you know that that is what it is that's going to take to be able to to work your way around it. So what do you do about burnout? How do you come back from burnout? (laughs) I do a couple things. So for me, it can't be zero or 100 or on and off. Like I have the problem where I don't even know time has passed. Like I can sit at my desk some days and not get up and then the sun is down. (laughs) I'm hungry and I'm like, it's 830. I have laser beam focus, which in some ways is great because I can be super productive and get a lot of things done. But then it's like, at what cost? If I hear, if I see myself doing that and I'm resentful or I'm getting nasty, like, well, I've been up, you know, working on this, da, 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 da. That's usually an early warning sign for me. So Even setting timers or alarms on things. I know that sounds really silly, but like I set alarms for almost everything. Like you need to stop working now is one of the ways. So catching that, having conversations with people who love what I love, like you, obviously, talking about our, our shared goal of providing services to people in the community, all of that stuff really helps. And then as cheesy as it is, it's gratitude. Mm-hmm. You know, showing showing gratitude in the work. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. I have that on a post-it note by my desk. Well, and that's almost the exact antithesis to that mm-hmm. cynical outlook, right? Mm-hmm. And really shifting it to a more positive outlook to it. And because that's my first warning sign, like if I can have that, if mm-hmm. I can catch that faster, I'm much more likely to prevent a deeper stage or state of burnout. So mm-hmm. practicing gratitude, setting timers, talking to people, and then This is another one. It's going to sound strange, but a lot of what I do surrounds mental health. I mean, I teach, I listen to podcasts about mental health. I read books from Brene Brown, all of that stuff, which is great. But if I'm feeling burned out, it's like, oh, cool. So your fun activities are still in line related. Yeah. Yeah. So I've learned that. And so I've started a new podcast listening to one that is like tech related. I have nothing to do with tech, but it's just cool. And I've committed to like, non-fiction books, which is really hard for me because I'm like, okay, but fix the problem (laughs) (laughs) and follow the storyline and just, you know, kind of drift off. And that's been really helpful, but making those things more of a priority and less of a luxury, right? Because I always tell myself, I don't have time for things like that. Mm But I do because I'm a better person, I'm a much nicer person to be around when I'm including those things. So that's, those are some of the action items I take when I'm starting to get a little starting to approach that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A little fuzzy. What about you? I think for me, it's really trying to look at what are the things that are actually in my control for modifying this and changing it? And what are the things that aren't? And what opportunities do I have to shift the ones that are? Mm -hmm. And anyone who is a supervisor, I am a supervisor. So this does kind of hurt me to say as well. Sometimes that does mean changing jobs. Mm. Or it does mean looking at like, is this a setting where I can flourish in the way that I want? Because I think sometimes 
there are those situations where you try to make those changes, especially the creativity. Sometimes the setting that you're in Mm -hmm. will kill that creativity where you're like, I'm trying really hard to be passionate about this. You're basically telling me I can't be. Right. Can I ask you a follow-up question to that? Go for it. So what if I'm in a place, which I'm not right now, thank God, but if I'm in a place where it's like, but nothing is within my control and everything is Mm -hmm. terrible, right? Like the idea of anything being in my control right now sounds so Mm far-fetched. What would you say to somebody? I would say there are so many things in your control though. A, and this is one that I think people forget about, taking those mental health days that are actually really desperately needed. Being able to look at, okay, well, what parts of my schedule can I structure in such a way mm-hmm. that I can shift part of my day, right? We've discussed the difference between being a morning person and afternoon person, right? And I know for me, being someone who sees clients, I try to gear my clients towards the afternoon or some of those clients where I feel like I need to, there's a different level of like, cognitive functioning that I need for them. It's going to be, all right, let's go to afternoon or this really creative project that I have that I want to be able to give its due diligence. I'm going to shift that to the morning so that I have some extra time or whatever different things it might be. Mm -hmm. There are things within your control that are not as obvious. So seeking those things out. Seeking those things out and really looking at, okay, hold on. This thing that I'm dreading or this thing that maybe isn't aligning or is giving me that anxiety, what elements of it can I tweak even just a little bit? Because I'm thinking about, you know, some of the folks that listen and maybe, you know, parents. Mm-hmm. Like, well, I can't just get rid of my kids. No, unfortunately, <laughs> can't. <laughs> yeah, please don't do that. No, um, don't. But how do I, can I control maybe their schedules? Like, guess what, kids? We're not going to practice today because mama needs a hangout day or, you know, whatever. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of, I can't do that because there's an obligation, Yes. And those obligations are important because there's the other idea of what things are things that I can tweak versus mm-hmm. what things are not. So I know, I don't know if we've had this conversation in, in our podcast land or if it's just been something we've had elsewhere with other leaders, but the idea of like you're juggling those different balls, mm-hmm. right? And some of those balls are rubber, some are wood, and some are glass. Mm-hmm. The glass ones are going to break if you drop them. Right. Let's be honest. Your children are going to break if you drop them. I mean, they do bounce back (laughs) a lot, but there are certain things we know that we have to. Obviously, you have to make dinner for your kids. Like, we got to make sure that they're fed or like things like that, right? But it can be cereal or pizza day. But it can be cereal or pizza day. That can be that fend for yourself (laughs) night that we talked about before. But really being able to look at, is this a rubber ball that will bounce right back up if I drop it and I can catch it again? Is it a wooden ball that I'm going to have to take more time to bend over to pick back up? Mm. Or is it a glass ball that if I drop this, it will break? And you know what? I think what I've seen of folks that have asked us to do this conversation, yeah, they feel like... Or the perception is everything is glass. Everything's a glass ball. I cannot physically imagine dropping anything right now. And I'm like, okay, let's talk through that. That's a different kind of burnout concern, right? Yeah. yeah. Because they're not all glass. Mm -mm. And you can't weigh them all the same way Mm -mm. as glass. There are going to be some things that can bounce. And there are going to be some things that may take a little bit more work if you put it down to pick it back up. Mm -hmm. But it will still be there. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. So some of those things are I know someone who was talking about going back to school and she wound up having to take a year off Mm. because her her family life and her work life and everything was just so out of whack. She was like, you know what? This is a wooden ball. Yeah, I can take a leave of absence from school for a semester and come back to it. I might be a little bit behind. It may add another semester. It might add more time or I might have to add another class or something along those lines. But I know that I am not 
it'll giving this there. the due diligence that it deserves. Right. It'll still be there. Mm-hmm. Whereas she was like, you know, my child who, and I think there was even the involvement of like a child's healthcare situation, oh, right? So yeah. she was like, this is a glass ball. Sure. I have to make sure I'm taking care of this issue with my kid. I cannot put that down. I cannot drop it. I got to deal with it right now. Yeah. And so being able to actually kind of object and we all know education is important. School is important. Sure. Work is important. All of these different things. But what ways can you tweak that shift that right? These are things like she was even looking at the possibility of FMLA because that is something that is there to help protect in exactly that situation. Dealing with the glass ball where work sometimes, yes, a glass ball, but also sometimes that may be in that perspective, a wooden ball. Mm hmm. So really being able to assess and kind of take that step back. They are not all glass. Yeah. But what you just said, it's perspective. Be Mm -hmm. able to step back and look at that. And I know the language we use a lot with our team is being on the dance floor versus being on the balcony, what that means. So if you're on the dance floor, you're with everybody, you're in a crowd, music's loud, you're having a good time, but it's crowded. You can't see the steps other people are doing, unless it's line dancing. But you can't see what everybody else is doing on the dance floor. You're focused on your partner. You're focused on your group. You're in the thick of it versus being on the balcony is being able to look and see what is everybody doing? What are the steps they're taking? And so I think when we are burnt out, we're in the dance floor and have a blindfold on sometimes. Like I don't even, I can't even see the perspective. Exactly. Stepping back, getting on the balcony to see, okay, let's assess what is a rubber ball? What is a wood ball? What is a glass ball? And where can I rearrange these things in order to be well? Yeah. And I think that is that very first step, whether you are approaching burnout, whether you are burnt out, it's kind of the same thing of like, what things do I have control over? Right. And I know that cynical outlook is there. And I know that I'm going to veer towards everything being awful. And you know, it's a dumpster fire and there's no way to put this out. It's just gonna have to burn itself out. No, because that is the kind of burnout that you do leave your career for or that you do lose your family over. Those are the kinds of things where that's a glass ball that does not come back. Mm hmm. Right. And we've seen that. And it can be really, really tough to reclaim whatever it is that you've lost from that kind of fallout. Yeah. So really, the prevention, obviously, we always talk about wanting to have the prevention side of it. Of course. We want to prevent left and right. You know your early warning signs. And that's what all the talk about burnout is. But the coming back from it, the first thing is obviously being able to recognize. And sometimes you can't really recognize that you were burnt out until after the fact. Yeah, I joke about that when I'm giving workshops on this topic. I'm like, if HR is telling you you are burned out, it's because it's become even more problematic already. Like, yes, if you are having other people coming to you and being like, so Celeste, about some of those comments that you made in that meeting. Yeah, you probably already are. Yeah. And it can be really scary. We didn't even want to talk about this because we were like, oh, that's kind of vulnerable (laughs) for us. I don't know that I want to have that conversation because it is scary. Yeah. It's a scary topic to look at. But really, that first step is being able to say, where am I in terms of this spectrum of what things I am burnt out by? And what can I actually reasonably do to change it? Mm -hmm. I'm not saying go out and quit your job. I'm saying try to find are there things here? Is there a purpose here that I just need to rekindle or relight? Do I need to step back? And like for those of us in a profession that has things like continuing education, do I need to kind of reignite that Mm -hmm. love or that passion for learning and being able to embrace that? I know for some people too who go into leadership and they don't have that clinical care. I know that's something that Celeste, you and I both really focus on. Like I need to have at least a few clients. Mm -hmm. It keeps me grounded. It helps remind me. This is why I do what I do. Yeah, the why. The why. Even if 
you know, I'm just helping support other therapists doing this, even if it's only a few, it's it winds up being that contributing. This is the why. And I want to go back to that. I, I talk a lot about this and other things. But when we talk about purpose, I learned this from Jerry Theo. So I want to give him credit. It was years ago where I was dragged <laughs> to a workshop about burnout prevention years ago by some colleagues that were like, come to this thing. And I was like, this is dumb. I don't want to do this. I need to go see my clients and do my work. And this man comes out with a flute. And I was like, this is so stupid. By the end of that flute song, I was in tears. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, I'm burned out. All the people that brought me there were nodding. Like, they were like, yes, that's why we forced your hand. Here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why we paid the fee to get you. And I was like, oh, no, everybody's known it but me. But what his language taught me was he says your sacred purpose. Mm -hmm. And I love that idea of a sacred purpose because it applies to whatever it is that you do. Maybe your sacred purpose in your decision to become a parent or to become a librarian or whatever it is. When you were younger, you were like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Right. There's so much excitement about it. Mm -hmm. And then you get here. You're like, good job. You're a teacher now. Run with it. And, you know, five, 10 years in or two years in and you're like, why the heck did I do this? Well, there is a sacred purpose for it. There was something that motivated you. There was something that in- inspired you and getting back to that. And once you get back to that through this burnout recovery, protecting that at all costs, right? And I think that's what you mean by prevention. Like I protect my sacred purpose now yeah. so differently than before I got burnt out. You know, there are things that I do to make sure that I'm well and to make sure my sacred purpose of being in service to others is protected instead of being the ugly, nasty, mean, burnt out version of myself that really nobody wants to be around. Yeah. And that's where once you get to that point, that's where some people are looking at and they're saying, maybe this isn't, maybe I'm the person, maybe we are currently the people in the elevator turning around and saying, you need to leave your job. Like that's not healthy. Yeah. But even then still being able to look at how can I rekindle that if I've lost sight of it? Exactly. What, and revisiting that conversation with yourself, what is my purpose in being here? Mm Mm-hmm. And is this a setting where I can fulfill that purpose or am I realizing that this is a setting where I cannot, Mm -hmm. you know, even if it is something completely separate or something completely different of I want to provide the best customer care or make someone smile in their day while they are, you know, having to make a return or an exchange or something like that. Anything along those lines, being able to really revisit that purpose of where you're coming from with it without that cynical eye of, well, we're never going to get rid of child abuse. So gosh, yeah, that's a dark place. It is a very dark place. And it's really scary. So hopefully, in terms of like the idea of coming back from burnout, and unfortunately, this is one of those things where we can come up with these broad signs, and we can kind of give that idea of gearing towards addressing those symptoms or trying to reduce those things or avoiding them. I really think that coming back from burnout has to look at we have to look at it very personally because mm-hmm. it's going to be so different. Burnout for different people is so different depending on who you are, what field you're in, what it looks like. And I know people are probably going to have been listening to this like, okay, but how do I come back? Like what? <laughs> Give me the step-by-step guide. There is not one. It's a personalized roadmap that only you can make and take that journey. Which is exactly what this is wellness is all about. Mm-hmm. It looks different for everyone. And what may be a glass ball to me may not be a glass ball to you. It just really depends on where you are and what it what stage that is for you. But we invite you to assess that. Take yes. a look. Get on the balcony. Look at which ball can bounce back and which one can't and make that roadmap for yourself. Take the time to do it. Be very purposeful in it because as someone who has been burnt out, it is not pretty. It is ugly and it takes time to come back from. And if you can have that 
prevention side of it or even just being very purposeful in coming back from it, it's going to be that much easier for you. Because as Viktor Frankl said, what is to give light must endure burning. And I think we're just going to leave it at that. Thanks That's so a much. wonderful way to end the day. We'll see you next week, y'all. Take care. This is Wellness is a podcast by Emergence Health Network. It's hosted by Celeste Nevadez and Sarah Polk. Audio production by Andrew J. Polk and produced by Ashley Sandoval.